Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah. We're Welcome here. In. Here we are, right next to each other. He's Corey Walsh. And he's Dan Griffin. This is fucking weird. <laughs> no, we usually do remote. We, we've literally done this once. Corey and I are sitting right next to each other. If you're just listening to the uh, audio version, typically we are... Uh, Remote. Re- remote. I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. This, yeah, he kind of smells. This is this is weird. Here we are from a it's nondescript bar somewhere near surveillance house. Yeah, <laughs> we are within nowhere closer than three miles, and nowhere farther than four thousand miles. <laughs> From the Sarah Palin's house. You will never know where we are. You are listening to Libservative. Did I already say, of course, this is Corey Walsh? I don't you think said, I of course, this is Corey Walsh. All right. It doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, so uh, Corey and I are together today because we attended an event uh, in uh, a, a local Detroit bar. Which, yeah, the meet and greet. Which pertained to Andrew Yang's. Uh, forward party. We're going to get into that today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, Trump uh, versus the FBI saga, and we'll probably get into a few other things. But before that, Corey is going to tell you where you can find us. Yeah, before we get going, uh, Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter is at LibservativePod, and you can find our transcripts at LibservativePodcast at WordPress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at LibservativePodcast, and you can reach out to us directly at LibservativePod at gmail.com. Like, follow, share, join the conversation, and if you're listening to this on a podcast, pause it real quick and give a review. It helps. Mm, It sure does. We love it. Dan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a B43, and then we also have this plethora of bourbons behind us, which we may have to crack into before the show is out, simply because the world sucks. (laughs) So we drink our problems away. Um, I'm drinking a Shorts Brew. What is this? Uh... You don't even know. Cinephilus Pink Floyd. And it's a cherry lemon goza ale brewed with lemon and Balaton cherries. I've never had it before. I was actually just at the party store with Dan. Right, like It's funny because party store is such a local thing. The beer store. The liquor store. Beer store. With Dan. And I saw this and I was like, oh, goza. I got to get this. I've never had it before, and it's not bad. If you're into sour beers, then but did you I recommend Did you it. say that it's like it's like named after Pink Floyd? It says Pink Floyd Eye. Well, that's fantastic. Which is because a fucking phenomenal segue, Dan. Is that what you're going to say? I was going to say, Roger, we weren't even going to talk about this, but the, you just mentioned your beer, and it made me want to talk about it. I feel like we're in like a tele teleprom, like a telethon thing. Like we're both sitting next to each other like, hey, Dan, I'll tell you what. What you can do is you can join right now and just send us three bucks. <laughs> We would take three bucks so fast. I don't know where I would spend it. I don't know where I would spend it all. Probably on some Pink Floyd at the beer store. Uh, But yeah, Roger Waters just schooled CNN. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Did he ever? Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I so, need it. So who is he talking to? Um, which which one of the turds is he talking to? Oh, it starts with an S. I don't know. Shays, I don't know. Some bald guy. It does, <laughs> and it, it, with glasses. Some bald guy that wasn't one of the regular bald guys at CNN. But it was fantastic because uh, it was basically the, I don't know, would you call it like the, the, the libertarian take on America, on American foreign policy over the last hundred years, essentially? Yeah, he did a really good job. <laughs> I actually have it right here. I'll pull it up real quick. Can you throw it on the... Uh, Screen share? I will. So, yeah. So, Roger Waters is talking to this turd sandwich from CNN, and all of the CNN talking points are the traditional neoliberal slash neoconservative talking points. And Roger Waters is just like, yeah, see, this is the problem with the West is that we don't, basically, he says, we don't ever admit what our faults are in yeah, any he's situation. Yeah, he frustrating to me. And like, I think what he was like really trying to say, like, I'm not putting words in his mouth or nothing, but it sounded like he's just like, the fucking context, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> it's literally like what he's just trying to say. He's like, just the fucking context. So without trying to put words in his mouth, we will let Roger we'll let, Waters. We'll let Roger Waters speak for himself. Pink Floyd, baby. Ukraine for a start. Back the fuck. TMZ is the one who well, is fueling the fire in the Ukraine for a start. That is a huge crime. Why won't the United States of America uh, encourage Zelensky, the president, to negotiate, obviating the need for this horrific, horrendous war? But you're that's you're killing. You're blaming. How, we don't know how many. Ukrainians but you're blaming the, the party Russians. that got invaded. Come on, you've got it reversed. <laughs> no, I, well, that's you. You know, any war. When did it start? What you need to do is look at the history and you can say, well, it started on this day. You could say it started in 2008. Okay. It's basic. This war is basically about the action and reaction of NATO pushing right up to the Russian border, which they pressed their do and Gorchov negotiated the withdrawal of the USSR from the whole of Eastern Europe. When you say this, then I have to say, what about our role as liberators? You of all people, you have no role as liberators. World War Two, World War Two. You, you, you got into you World War Two because Come it's on. Pearl Harbor. You, Pearl Harbor. You were completely isolationist until that sad, that devastating. I, I would argue we were always in, going to in get in, and that pushed us in. Not necessarily. The United States got in, right? Well, you lost your father well, in World War II. Thank God well, yeah, the United thank States. Good, but right? thank God the Russians had already won the bloody war almost by then. Don't forget, <laughs> 23 million Russians died protecting you and me you from would, the Nazi you, menace. Hey, and you would think the Russians would have learned their lesson from war and wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. Well, you, you with all your reading, I would suggest to you... Michael, <laughs> that you go away and read a bit more and then try and figure out what the United States would do if the Chinese were putting um, nuclear armed missiles into Mexico and Canada. The Chinese are too busy encircling Taiwan. Ah, nice deflection. Speak, okay? They're not encircling Taiwan. Taiwan is part of China. And oh. that's been absolutely accepted by the whole of the international community since 1948. He's right. And if you don't know that, you're not reading enough. Go and read about it. Okay. Honestly, what, what Roger, you know what's funny, Corey, is like I've never been 
a huge Pink Floyd fl- fan. It's not that I don't like respect their music. I think you didn't it, get high at sixteen to listen. No, to I just fucking, I, uh, wish you were here. Brick, not even brick in the wall. That one's just so cliche. But like, wish you were here. Have I never a cigar, ate my comfortably numb. No, I just I was I was just never really into their music. But I got to tell you something, like. Listening to and, and, and that's just my opinion. I I understand that they're well. They're, your opinion sucks. I am. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Corey's gonna do the rest of the show by himself. Unfortunate part is I don't have a way to get the fuck out of here. Uh, but look, it's not that Pink Floyd's bad. It's just it was just never my thing. But anyway, Roger Waters. Too political at 16, they were too political. It's so funny because literally, ev- not literally, but almost literally, everything he said was just so eloquently explained and so historically spot on everything that he said. Yeah. In in that piece. Like this this is a guy that like plays music for a living and made a lot of money off of music and he knows more than probably half of, you know, the the United States foreign policy that's, advisors. And that's actually what cracks me up. It's uh you know, by the way, the uh, the guy was Michael Smirkanish, the CNN That's right. That's Project right. Mockingjay propagandist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't think he realized like what he was getting into. Everyone looked like kind of like what you just said, Pink Floyd. Like, oh yeah, there's just this rock band, you know, Acid LSD from like the seventies. But like even their music back then, like songs like War Pigs, Dogs of War, Brick in the Wall was talking about our educational system. They've been so political since then. To the, so. For people to like think this is coming out of left field, that this guy's done his homework. He's been doing his fucking homework before internet even came out. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. And, like, and, like everything that he said and, was and, just was was a lot of what we were talking. Was a lot of what we've been talking about when it comes to United States foreign policy, which is like, it is okay to be a patriot, right? It is okay to love to be an American. It is okay to love being here, but at the end of the day, like. The American exceptionalism globally on a lot of, on a lot of days and nights, Corey, drives me nuts because it's like no you're not perfect. Like you have you 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 have a role in every single fucking conflict basically since World War One. Yeah, no, you're right. You can be a patriot, you can love this country, but if you really, really love something, you're going to uh put a mirror in front of it and kind of show it its faults when it's like self-destruction. Like that's called an intervention. Like when you have a family member who has a drug problem, you love them to death. And so you literally tell them you're being a real piece of shit right now. <laughs> like in layman's terms, obviously you say it much nicer in an intervention. This isn't, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but <laughs> did, did you ever see that? Scene? Not, I the didn't inter- see that. <laughs> intervention, intervention, intervention. But like when you really love somebody, you're going to tell them what uncomfortable truths about themselves. And first off, I guess he's not even an American, so he definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, but, but you, it's, know, it's you know what I'm saying? Know, like Westernism like, in general, it doesn't the, have the Western to be. culture. Yeah. yeah, like if you really love something, to give it constructive criticism and call it on its faults, you love something enough to want it to be better. And the opposite is just sticking your head in the sand and throwing money at stuff is called an enabler. Well, just understanding that you have a role, right? Sorry, I keep bumping this yeah, don't cord over cord. here. Uh, don't do that. It's just it's just <laughs> under, understanding that you have a role, right? Like when you, I mean, just thinking about 
thinking about it from just a regular human being's perspective, right? Whenever there's a conflict, like if you and I got in an argument over whatever, over Pink Floyd being one of the greatest bands, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fight over this for a while. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and I don't deny it. Uh, but like, if you and I got in a fight over, I don't know, uh, whether or not that beer is any good that you're drinking, I we we want we, we we would both make our opinions known. And if a war started over it, we would both have a place in that war. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not any different when you're talking about geopolitics. Yeah. The United States has a role in every war since World War I. And it's not just the war that was fought, it was what led up to that war. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, Ukraine in itself, you know, since 2014, we've been over there heavily invested in the coup that happened to put in a more Western friendly president. In the 90s, we promised that we wouldn't expand NATO. And yet we're putting nuclear arms on the Russian border. Roger Waters, when that interview is expanded, he talks about imagine if Russia was putting weapons, uh, nuclear weapons in Mexico or Canada. And it almost sounds far-fetched, but we really don't have to think that it's that far-fetched because all you have to do is go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis and look, we literally almost went to nuclear war because Russia was getting close to our border. And what happened? The the Soviets agreed to compromise in that situation. Yeah. And we we don't do that. Like this, the, the, the war in Ukraine could have been over, should have been over months ago. Would you agree? I mean, it, it should have. It yeah. should have been, or I wouldn't even say it should have been over months ago. But there, there could have been steps to have been taken by the West to come up with some sort of, uh, at least parlay of some kind. There with could have Putin. been steps taken by the West to avoid the invasion in the first place. Well, that's true. But like, let let's just pretend that that, that that's not even an option anymore. And all we're left with is the war in Ukraine. You still all all you have the Biden administration, and I even just buy the Biden administration. This isn't a United States only thing. This is all of the West. This is Britain. This is everybody else as well. This idea that Putin is this is this unbelievably horrible human being. This you know this dictator that's trying to take over all of Europe, and maybe he is that. But have you taken the steps as the West to make sure that? Innocent Ukrainians aren't killed. Have you taken all of the steps possible? And I'm not talking about money, right? I'm not talking about weapons. I'm not talking about sending things to Ukraine to help them fight off the evil Russians. I'm talking about actually taking steps to negotiating peace in Eastern Europe. Have you done any of that? No, you haven't. No. In fact, as you've just as 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 it pertains to uh, the United States, especially because that's where the xenophobia tapped into that and not only that but you've 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 basically you know you've used this ukrainian war as some sort of scapegoat for inflation and for you know rising prices and for the fact that weed is gone it's garbage it's garbage you haven't done enough and the fact that you and i sit here and say that makes us like putin apologists for some reason would you agree Corey? Putin's a piece of shit. No, Putin is absolutely a piece of <laughs> shit. He shouldn't have invaded a country, but it's like on the geopolitical grand scheme of things, it's easy. If we, all you do is like Roger Waters said, just read some more, which I thought was fucking hilarious. That he said, "You're a fucking idiot" in the most polite way. 
what, what I find great about that is that he did that to somebody who you would consider like leftist media, right? In CNN, yeah, because that, that's what the people on the left often like to do is like, you, you're not it. Get educated. Hashtag get educated. Right. And then, and Roger Waters basically just schooled with, just schooled them with their own rhetoric on that one or yeah. their own talking point, I should say. Yeah. It's like, if you really think this, and I, I just want you to just go and read more, <laughs> just go and educate yourself on this. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy thing that's happened over there. That is the culmination of fucking 40 years at this point. Like we told Gorbachev in the negotiation that if he receded from the Western Europe, from, you know, Germany and pulled the USSR back, that we wouldn't follow him in his footsteps. And that's literally what we did. And not, not we as in the United States, but NATO in Just general. NATO in general. Yeah. But since the nineties, what three, three, four countries have been added. NATO was built in the response to the Warsaw Pact for with the USSR. If there's no USSR, there's no fucking Warsaw Pact. And then countries that were a part of the Warsaw Pact are a part of NATO now. Obviously, there's going to be some bitterness to that. Like, when you feel like your fucking way of life is threatened. Well, I mean, and it, this is going to sound like some weird Marxist defense, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, you have a lot of people that always talk about when it comes to the USSR's failure. They they failed under their own merit, right? That's what you that's what you often hear in the West. We helped them. We helped them fail. Like it's it's an interesting question and I don't mean to shift gears so badly, but it just came into my head, which is like what I've asked myself this question multiple times if we just tried to coexist. Yeah, what would have happened? W- would we still be looking at a at a USSR today? And and how well would they be doing? I don't know. I I don't think anybody can know. I don't I mean obviously, well, hmm. does, if we do does it sound did. like I'm defending communism? Oh, true communism has never been tried, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I've never uh um but I just at the shit, same time, hold on, I just shit on the left, and then five minutes later had like have like a weird defense for communism just now. Is that what just happened? You did. Yeah. I need to drink another beer. I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is, is uh, I don't know if America's influence in the world on communism had like the USSR itself had so many problems that I feel like the people when it failed, everyone's like, oh, thank God, including Russians. Because we see other countries that are communists that we've been doing, every, we've been literally pulling everything out of the toolkit to try to stop, like Cuba, and they're still doing okay. Considering, yes, considering what we've done to them, and we've given them just as many embargoes and everything as we have Russia. So I think the USSR imploded on itself because of just too much government and too much bureaucracy and things like that, versus something that is more pure communism, like. Cuba. You're not a true leftist, Corey Walsh. I, I never said I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else is? We did not intend to start the show that way, but that was, a, that was an interesting conversation. Uh, Roger Waters got us fired up. I'm about to listen to this fucking bunch of Pink Floyd now on the ride home. We were we were going to start the show with uh, Andrew Yang's forward party. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have banners? We don't have any banners. Maybe. No, I, 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 I said we're sitting right next to each other. We really need banners. People know what we're saying. No, we're just some intellectual idiots. Yeah. So I, I'm looking at uh, I, I was looking at the forward party and I've always been 
interested in what Andrew Yang has to say. And I've heard all of the, you know, the, the rhetoric around him. Oh, he was just a Democrat that was really working as an operative for the Republicans, Corey, to pull votes away from from Joe Biden. And, Isn't that funny? And, Anyone that's on the fringe in the party, that's what they do. They're a psyop. Yeah, because Bernie Sanders was the same kind of thing, and Tulsi, everybody says Yang. the everybody says the same thing about third parties. And I, I, I've always just enjoyed what Andrew Yang has to say. I don't necessarily agree with everything. Like, do I think UBI long term would work? Which is a lot of what he ran on in twenty twenty. I honestly, I don't know. I'm skeptical. But Not I don't twenty twenty two, but maybe in 2040, 2050, it might be something. I don't know. That's very socialist of you. Yeah. But I, I don't. I, that was I didn't really care about what Yang's policy was because we live in it. We live in a society now where it's like it's all about the message and what the particular candidate gives off, and what Donald Trump gives off is like total narcissism. And what like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden give off is like total corruption, <laughs> you know. So it's like I look at a guy like Yang, and I'm like, okay, let's listen to what this guy has to say. And when he started the Forward Party, you and I were both skeptical. You and I mo- most likely, at least I know I am. I'm still a little skeptical because it's so new. You never know what the hell's going to happen next. But you yeah, and there's I questions. There's you and I went to questions. an event here locally in uh, in Metro Detroit, and. When we first walked in, we were uh, not blown away. Not blown away. Yeah, no. First off, we're in uh, Bro Town, Royal Oak, true, a place yeah. I haven't been to party down in like 15 years. <laughs> no, maybe 10. Yeah, probably 10. But yeah, we showed up and we weren't even sure which group of people was the forward party. But then, <laughs> honestly, we ended up ultimately pretty impressed. And that's because... When we finally went over, we found the group that uh, that we were supposed to be speaking with. There were not that many people there. Yeah, we were trying to guess which two groups because there was two like decent groups, about 15, 20 people in the bar. And we weren't sure which one <laughs> was just an after work party of a bunch of everyone trying to fuck Happy each other. hour. Yeah. And the actual forward party. So we talked to the, we, we finally found him and we started leafing through their uh their paperwork, their, their propaganda, <laughs> no, their paraphernalia, their Not- dirty, <laughs> their dirty centrist propaganda. No, we, they, they had some stuff out that talked about like the vision of the party, what they plan on doing, and things like that. It was all like, very informational, and it's stuff that we kind of already knew. But like, if it was someone who had no idea, it would have been conveyed in a decent message. So finally, uh, a young gentleman walks over that looked like he was maybe 12 and taking some steroids very nice young man his name was michael and this is kind of what uh impressed i think ultimately ended up impressing us most because we weren't impressed with the turnout we weren't impressed with uh you know the there, there wasn't like andrew yang wasn't there or like andrew yang's second hand wasn't there there's a young man named michael comes over he starts talking to us and essentially, you know, talking to us about what the forward party's about. And probably a half an hour into the conversation, uh, Corey finds a side conversation, and I'm talking to Michael, and I find out that this kid is literally 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And 
and that, so so I I I kind of got a new grasp of the experience, and I and I looked at it, and I'm like, well, you know what? That's fucking awesome. A, a a young man that knows more about politics at 18 probably than I knew at you know almost 30, and I'm 33 Fuck. now. Yeah, yeah, you're telling me, man. And so <laughs> Michael was uh, was was remarkably impressive to me. Um, but it, it started to make a little bit more sense, maybe why the event was a little smaller. Uh, I don't know what his position is in the forward party in Michigan, but he was very uh, motivated, motivated and, and young. Right. So I had a Corey and I had a long conversation with him and, and, a, and a few other people, even in this small group. And what was so nice about it was I cannot remember the last time I was able to go out in public and have a legitimate political conversation with regular human beings that you have no idea who they are, no idea who they are and disagree with them or agree with them. And what I found out was that this, this young man, Michael was a, I don't know what he would, he might still call himself. I don't want to speak for him, but the way he, he, the way he spoke to me was that, he was more of like a, a, a Romney Republican, which you were impressed by because the kid's 18 years old and knew what the fuck a Romney Republican was. Yeah, because like, yeah, you uh, <laughs> we talked about like 2012, like a Romney versus Obama. And you called yourself an Obama Democrat. And he's like, well, you know, I'm like, I don't know if you said it or he said it first. But he said it about, first about being like a Romney Republican. And it kind of like took me aback because you figured that was fucking 2012 that was 10 years ago so the kid was eight eight years old yeah yeah a, a romney republican yeah and so i and, and i basically looked at him and said i was formerly an obama democrat and you and i can sit down and have a conversation and shit on the system and everything that you hear about the forward party according to the folks at this event i mean is 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 everything that i've heard so far which is in, in in the best way to describe it is political pluralism you know just the ability to uh come together and 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 it's it's not a centrist thing right right yeah no it's a party to where basically like when i asked him and he kind of like agreed he's like it's a it's a party where a bunch of different ideas come together to have a common cause of putting people over party and putting people cent- like centric first. Not like I heard you ask him about like populism. Mm-hmm. What, did, what, what was his response to that? He, uh, he's 18, but he didn't know what populism was. Okay. Which is okay. He's a young man. I get it. Uh, I just learned what populism was within side of the last, you know, four, four years or so. And, and uh, I, I, I just kind of gave him a brief overview of what populism is. And um, he uh, for the audience, explain to them what populism what po- is. It's just what, what, essentially, I mean, the, the, the layman's explanation of what populism is, is just like what the fucking people want, because that's not the way either of these two parties operate. Right. They don't operate because if they did operate on what the people wanted, like we would have rational discussion about abortion. Right. And we don't. We don't have that discussion. Kansas did. Kansas did. Good for Kansas. Good for Kansas. There's like eight people that live in Kansas. Good for them. But yeah, so so the like my impression of the party was it's like it uh it came down to like almost like like a like a populist centric type thing to where it's like 
And when you talk about it, like when you hear Yang talk about it, it's more of like a grassroots thing where it's like central or I mean more like more localized. And then it expands out to where it sounds like the party knows they're going to have people who disagree with each other, but it's more about what the people say for their constituent versus like a party message of an, like an autocratic type of machine that is just, has binary thought like they they're they're welcoming new ideas and fringe ideas it's very it's very data driven right like i i, I don't mean to like stereotype Andrew on the, Yang, on, right? on, but- yeah on the uh <laughs> on the macro scale absolutely but on the micro scale i feel like it's more less about like what the party has to say about things but more or less the constituents that are a part of the party are going to have a networking group and a resource group to help them because when you actually hear like the message of like, well, what are their platforms? What is their policies? It's like, well, we just got everyone. Right, 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 you know? right. And I feel like that that's exactly what they're going for. And when I mentioned this to him a little bit, he said, like, Michael, I was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of it. You know, and it's like, maybe I was wording it wrong, but it sounds like they're kind of like, not necessarily a party that's chasing the wheel, but they they have an idea that they can bring in people as long as they're going to have conversations of good faith that we can all work on these problems together. Well, like pra- pragmatic, not progressive. And and what I, and, and this is one of the things I told uh, Michael, who's the, uh, for any of the uh, new viewers here, uh, he's the 18 year old uh, organizer of this forward party old. event. And I was very, I was very impressed by this young man. And, you know, one one of the things that he might not understand yet, just being eighteen, and I don't fully understand it at the age of thirty three, is the way that opinions change as you age, right? So, uh, when you look at the the forward party, it's like, what is it going to be ten years from now? I wish I had asked him that question because yeah, that was actually would have been a good question. When it's when it's grassroots, it's it's this like really fun thing that everybody you know gets up for and is runs it gonna with. turn to a tea party is it gonna be shit like that but at the same time a lot of that stuff that was grassroots within parties was within the party so they were still stuck to those constraints so i'm curious to see where the party goes i guess i should have asked the question too is like what happens when there's a disagreement because right. when we yeah, asked right. them about like what their plan was to uh because right now it's still getting the getting their name in the game and getting some skin in the game and stuff like that. And their game plan for that is actually really well, you know, like, especially like in a state like Michigan, like they're following the represent. Like that's funny. Cause we actually talked about represent us and I'll go back to that in a second, but their grassroots plans in places is like getting things in like ranked choice voting, uh, ending gerrymandering, which in Michigan, we don't have ranked choice voting, but we literally just had a ballot initiative where we ended gerrymandering, where we have a committee that redraws our districts. A lot of other states don't have stuff like that. But we're in the process right now of making it to where voting in Michigan is more open. And they're jumping on that. And they're literally trying to get their, like I said, I like to use the word skin in the game. And they're trying to get their feet or trying to get their two cents in to get their party on the, uh, the ballots and stuff like that. And I think right now they're in what four States. I don't, I don't know what the number is, but the, yeah, they, I remember, I remember Yang saying on his, on his show, that like they're looking to be basically half the States by 2024. Was it 2024 or 2023? 
What does it matter? Because there's no elections in 2023. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be offshoots of elections. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be local municipality. Like yeah, of course. So yeah, I guess it does matter a little bit. But I mean, look, is it going to be another third party that falls apart? It could be. Honestly, it could be. Um, I like what they have to say. I am interested in speaking with people that are interested in the forward party. And here's, here's a, here's a, here's a couple of reasons. Oh shit. I'm about to knock some glass over over here. Um, Some reasons to kind of be interested in the forward party is this, is that you, you, you have, first of all, libertarians are pissed. They're fucking pissed about the forward party. And yeah. I know that because <laughs> I, actually I should pull it up here. I'm going to, I'm going to grab my phone here. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up because I sent this to you, didn't I? Our text messages, uh, a tweet from the Mises caucus. And this, this upset me so badly. Really? Um, yeah, because They're I, just I talking was talking trash. Like, it's like of all people, you should know what a third party has to go through. I was a big Mises caucus fan and they decided to tweet out slash Facebook post. Uh, so Andrew Yang tweeted, uh, whether she wins her Wyoming primary tomorrow or not, Liz Cheney has demonstrated leadership and character at a higher level than just about anyone in American politics. Now, obviously, now we know that Liz Cheney did, in fact, uh, lose her primary to the Trumpian candidate. And all that is is Andrew Yang's opinion. That's it. That's all that is. There's nothing, there's nothing nefarious about that tweet. There's nothing that makes Andrew Yang seem less Andrew Yang than he was yesterday, right? right? And the Mises caucus had to go ahead and grab that tweet and say this. This conclusively demonstrates how at forward party is a honeypot dead end for true dissidents. Yang at best badly misunderstands leadership, character, and American politics. Quote unquote, centrism is just a remix of the regime's status quo check out at lp national i just the libertarian party doesn't get it they don't right. really understand what this party's about i don't think right yeah no it's like it's like literally they're trying to help you bro they are trying to help you they're For all they're the libertarians do- out there they're trying to help you yeah political this- pluralism is what matters to the forward party at least that's that's what i get out of it yeah i've always pictured it to where it's like fun bright nice like fundamentally, I've I've really been attracted to a lot of like libertarian policies, but just because I'm attracted to libertarian policies doesn't mean that the GOP might have a good idea here or there, or the Democrats might have a good idea here or there, and like I think that's the point of the of the forward party, where it's like everyone has good ideas at one time or another. Let's try to bring these all together and really work on them. The Libertarian Party is so used to being the third bastardized child. I feel like like the redheaded stepchild that like but this, other, also, this other party's coming in. And the Libertarian coming Party coming in their lane, and they don't like it. Yeah, they're the, like, oh fuck these guys. The Libertarian Party is like the most popular kid at a loser's dance, right? <laughs> Isn't that essentially what they are? It's, it's not necessarily that they're losers. It's just they try to out libertarian each other all the time. But they always lose. We know they always lose. It's dry humor. Who's the most libertarian? And then they lose. 
<laughs> yeah, they're like they're like the they're like the prettiest ugly girl at the dance, right? Is that is that it? Yeah, the one that where it's like if the other guy strikes out three two times, <laughs> the third time he's like, well, I guess that girl over there might uh, might try to have a dance I with me. Might get hard <laughs> if I have enough beers. I might get hard to take a Viagra. At eighteen, <laughs> what dance are we talking about? Like a fucking like nine like fifty year old swingers party or all like I a, know, a all I all I know is I was dreaming of getting late at prom. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah. So it wouldn't have mattered who the girl was. <laughs> what did I? I had a girlfriend at the time. Oh well, then yeah, and she was very pretty. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, then you weren't trying to pick up the prettiest ugly girl at prom. No, my girlfriend was prettier than the prettiest ugly girl at prom. <laughs> at prom. I don't know if that bar is really low or really high. It's very subjective. <laughs> and man. you will never know. You will never it's know very for sure. Subjective. <laughs> At the end, so, okay. So we'll end it with this. Uh, what What was your, and then I'll give mine, what was your overall impression of this uh, local Metro Detroit forward party event? It had a lot of uh, like energy around it. Like everyone there was super excited. Then we met people, you know, Paulie. Paulie. Paulie was probably he's he he was a self-proclaimed boomer. He was in the Navy. And then there was Michael, who was 18. And so we're talking like 50, 60 years of age gaps that were in this group that were there that were just so sick and tired of the binary system. And the the theme of their messages to us basically was like, we just want some fucking pluralism and some nuance and to be able to talk about things to where if I have a different idea, I'm not just cast out like a leper from my party. To the point where you can be a pro-choice, pro-Second Amendment person. Right. And so to where this this meet and greet, which I let's give them 100% credit. It was originally supposed to be at a different spot and then it got moved to another spot last minute. So that might even like affected like participation or like attendance. But if this, what happened today is happening on an exponential scale across the country, then the forward party seems to be in good shape to where there's a movement happening while we have just two old parties that are just so bogged down and self-serving fucking lobbying and self-interest and things like that, that like forward party might have a, uh, have a chance in, in Paulie's boomer. Like I said, again, self-reclaim and his boomer uh, observation. He said, when, when you see two fucking big ass animals in the woods fighting each other and they're both bleeding out, you don't go in there and try to break up the fight. You just stay the fuck out of the way. And so as an old person, he older person, I don't want to be an ageist, <laughs> but uh, he saw the writing on the wall and he, he sees that these two parties are at their last breathing gasp of breath. And they're literally pulling out all the stops to stay in power. He sees another way out. I would agree with Paulie when it comes to, uh, a situation in which the entire world weren't in danger. <laughs> but when those two animals trying to destroy each other is possibly going to cause global destruction, uh, we, now, we is it really going to cause global destruction or is that American exceptionalism? 
Like, uh, well, you think that, I mean, I know we have nuclear codes, but everyone does. And obviously our nuclear codes don't mean shit because they sat in the basement of Trump's house for two fucking years. Well, even if it is American exceptionalism, it's certainly going to cause American destruction. And I live here and I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I like the way I live right now. I don't want that. Yes, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. So like, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, we may be a small show. And we may have attended a small forward party event in the uh, Metro Detroit area. But here's what I can say. I feel like you and I have gone and we've spoken to the people in this party. And we've we like the people, at least that we met. Yeah, they didn't leave a bad taste in their mouth. We're talking about energy of people who are like us. Like the conversations we had are conversations we have on our show. Where it's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, that might not be exactly the way it's supposed to go, but let's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. Let's, let's talk about this. But where I was going, that's great. But where I was going was anybody that's shitting on the forward party, have they really, did they do the work like we this? did? Have they really so. spoken, have they spoken directly to Andrew Yang? Right. Because an 18 year old putting on a fucking event. Shows a future of a party. No, not well, a not he was old well, ass heads. He was well dressed. Party. He brought his parents. It was a great time. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I had fun. I did. I did. I did too. And it I, was I, cool I, to just get a taste. Like so, this is like if he's the face. If Michael was the face of what the Ford party is trying to convey, then he. He did a bang up job to me. We and came perhaps, in there and like, we came in there asking questions and like we we weren't acting like we didn't pretend to be someone else. As soon as we got there, like, yeah, we're from a podcast. We got questions. And perhaps Michael will be on the show. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. Uh, Heather, you know, the regional uh, campaign, I'm guessing four person already followed us back on. Very Twitter. good. We're popular. Like when it comes to the forward party. So, like Michael said, he, Michael is saying now he's, he's tried to reach out to uh, represent us, which going back to that, like I was saying, represent us is a group that's also like a bipartisan group that's just focusing on trying to get third parties in and restructuring our voting, uh, uh, the way our voting structures are on a state-by-state basis and stuff like that. And then he actually had the same response that I had kind of because he's like, yeah, I reached out to them and tried to help. They didn't really respond. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm right there with you because that's kind of what happened to me. And so the forward party is kind of like has like the baton of what Represent Us was doing of just on the groundwork, making it to where the voting, like voting ballots and stuff aren't just Republicans, Democrats and the forward party. It's for everyone. And then if libertarians weren't trying to out libertarian each other, they might be able to see the force of the trees and really realize that this party is doing them a favor. And I don't know. I, I see a lot of, uh, I walked away when I walked out of bar Louie in downtown Royal Oak. Like there should be, I felt more optimistic than pessimistic. But the, the, There should be a, a really easy coalition between forwardists and libertarians. Yeah. Shouldn't there, it should be simple. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just it's so easy to just be cynical because especially us, we're very cynical about a lot of stuff. But uh to be able to like like it's easy to go, oh well they don't even have a policy or a platform. Like what are they about? 
And it's like, well, the party is new. They're just trying to get their name on the fucking ballot. So right now, all their resources are going into all these different states to make it to where a third party can be on the ballot to where 10 years from now, maybe the forward party is a flop. But the the groundwork they're doing to open up the doors for other parties because they're doing all the legwork to make it to where we have maybe 10 years from now, uh, forward parties non-existent, but then we have Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party, and like some constitutional party or something, and then we have all these options on the ballot because the Liber- like the uh, the forward party did the work. Then I would consider them a successful. Well, party. The, and the interesting thing is, like they don't um, they don't necessarily shit on Republicans and Democrats. Like they don't think that those two parties should not exist. Right. But they don't think that they should have this duopoly of utter control. So Ancelari asked us, uh, what is a Fordist? So a Fordist, apparently it's uh it's a new party that Andrew Yang, I don't know if you saw him running for presidency in 2020. Andrew Yang, he ran the Democratic ticket. And I give him so much goddamn credit right here because when he got cucked or when he got fucked, <laughs> cucked and fucked. Nope, they when rhyme. he got fucked by the Democratic Party, and he saw the writing on the wall that they weren't going to give him any legroom to do anything, he decided instead of cucking out like Bernie Sanders did, or going completely a wall and running to the other side like Tulsi Gabbard did, he was like, "Well, fuck this," and he just created his own party. And the and the party is a coalition of people from the left and the right, to where they're trying to pragmatically just bring ideas to better the people, not the party in America. They're political pluralists. Not yeah, they, necessarily. They, they see the nuance in conversation. It's not binary, one, zero, one, zero, one. It's not red versus blue. It's the people. I don't know. It's not versus. Yeah, it doesn't have to be they're, versus they're, anybody. It's just about the people. They're political pluralists. They're not necessarily centrists because that's a dirty word. You can't say that. According to libertarians, yeah. <laughs> no, according to everyone. Nobody like nobody likes centrists, but um, yeah, check them out. Uh, that's uh, that's all I would say. Just you know, make your own opinion. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go ahead and check them out. We're not gonna tell you to do it or not. We're not gonna think you're gonna find some dirty laundry. We're like, whoa, wait, don't look there. We encourage everyone to look to look everything up. So yeah, I don't know. I I like the idea. Like you know, down the road, we're probably not gonna agree with everything the forward party says. Just like we don't agree with everything the Democrats or every, just like we don't agree with anything the Republicans or Libertarians or Green Party or any of these other parties say. We just want to have a choice between just, all seven uh, of the things that Corey just mentioned. I'd rather have eight things to choose from when it comes to like a shitty thing versus two things to where it's like, well, at least this thing's the least shittiest. <laughs> Wait a minute, isn't that and that's where very we that's, are? that's very cynic very cynic of me to say that I'm already considering the Ford Party shitty, but and I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying in general, like in the worst case scenario, I'd rather have three shitty things to choose from instead of two. Do you want to get into uh, the continuation of the Trump FBI saga? Oh God, <laughs> what, what do you got for me? Here's here's I mean here's what I have for you. First of all, we're sitting here. What the hell is today's date? The 18th 18th. of August. And we know very little more than we knew last week when we discussed this. And I think there's a design behind that. I don't think we're meant to know a whole lot, Corey. 
You, because, think, you think he's just going to be in debt on this specific no, case? No, I just, I just feel like it, it, it. I don't like saying this because it doesn't make me feel good. But yeah, I think it's a political ploy at this point. Because and here's why. Here's why. It, 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 here's why. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not Donald Trump did anything wrong. Okay, I think he probably did. But that probably or most likely, most likely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I would say 80 20. He did something wrong. But 80 20 of every other president. It, also that's the did thing. That's, wrong. That, that's exactly. You, you read my fucking mind. It just it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter anymore because 20 percent of the you know, or whatever I should know, 25 percent of the country is going to believe no matter what. Donald Trump's guilty of whatever the fuck. Twenty five percent is going to believe no matter he's what, he's not innocent. guilty, no matter what. And so I look at what is going on here, and I've and I know that what we're going to hear a lot of, and we've already heard a lot of from the New York Times and from Wapo and from others, that we're going to hear a lot about the level of classification of documents. This level of classification—it's just so high. Yeah, this, this level of classification is so high. Confidential. It's top so secret, Corey. It's so high. <laughs> this level of classification is so high that the American people can't even know this. What level- was in these documents? Damn, this level of class. <laughs> this level of classification is so high. That it took our intelligence agency two fucking years it's to go and so get it. High. It's so high that the American people aren't even going to actually be able to know, which means what? We're never actually going to oh, know yeah, what Trump did or and, didn't and do. And this is, this is another thing piggybacking off this. This is what frustrates me the most. It's like the January 6th committee where, like, you know, Trump does something wrong, and we know he did something wrong, right? Trump's a piece of shit. You don't need the FBI. It's not enough to, just to say raid his. A piece of shit. We don't have to. Uh, don't need the FBI to raid his house to figure that out. But this is the second time now that the institutions have really dropped the ball in this whole recent charade of Trump, which is absolute bullshit because we have so much other shit going on. But anytime something involves Trump, everything, the whole press just stop the presses. Everything just fucking stops and goes to Trump. Never mind inflation. Never mind gas prices. Never mind this chips bill. That was actually a pretty decent thing that's actually being uh, kneecapped by this whole Taiwan bullshit that's going on. Never want, Never mind the fertilizer fucking uh, shortages and craziness with that. Never mind fucking half the country being in drought. Everything goes to the wayside as soon as Trump is involved. And the, the institutions try so hard to give themselves credibility, like the January 6th committee was coming up and it was all about Trump. And it's like, all this shit's coming up again. And it's like, Oh wow, this stuff's happening. And then they bring out, what's her name? Catch it. Cassidy Hutchinson. And she comes out and she's like, yeah, you know, it's fucking Trump crazy ass tried to stop his limo and attack the driver and do all this shit. And then all the secret service is like that. And that never happened. <laughs> and then, so that's just anyone who would have been on the fence about January 6th would have been watching that and have been like, well, this is fucking bullshit. And then the raid happens, right? And so the raid happens and there's an inkling of, you know, 
not necessarily justification, but credibility. It's like, oh, fuck, all this shit's going down. But then the FBI goes in and they take Trump's passports. Now, you need a judge for a flight risk type shit for passports. They took his passports and then they fucking lied about it. And then they gave them back. <laughs> and they had a, a fucking press statement saying they gave his passports back. No, and they, they, they tried to weasel their way out of it by saying, like, uh, they didn't have we it are because, not currently in possession. Yeah, they used the word currently. Of, uh, of, of Donald Trump's uh, to passports. People like you or I, when it comes to Trump, like, we know, like I said, we know he's a piece of shit. But anyone who was on the fucking fence about Trump, the Catchity Hussidin thing and the passport thing is just enough fodder to make them completely go, I can't believe I even thought that. <laughs> Corey actually almost threw up. <laughs> I you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, give me a fucking break. It just shows again how incompetent this fucking three letter alphabet bureaucracy is. Well, and it's like. <laughs> Because because I hear, <laughs> I you know, can hear it in my you know, headphones so well. Because I've had this conversation with people like recently. It's like I bring up, you know, the amount of power that the left just keeps giving to Trump, even though he's the 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 the, the devil. He's the worst thing that's ever happened. Because here and, we are, but, almost but, you 10 know, but fucking years later, but here's the and thing, the guy's going to have an influence on an election again. But here's what I all here's what is always the uh, even it, like I, I won't even say this because because always would in, in, in imply all the time. But from from reasonable people that are typically Democrats or leftists, they always go. But what he tried to do with that election, they always go, but what he tried to do, I understand what he tried to do. And it was fucking awful. And it just makes him more of a piece of shit. I get that. Narcissism, narcissist, narcissist. I get that. But why? If you just let it go, he will go away. Yeah, it, it it just it kills me how focused they are with this fucking political move that January sixth was an insurrection, you know, and that the country like like they just all like I I've said this a million times where it's like oh apparently all they ha- all we have to do is storm the Capitol and it's ours like you remember like that's our house Corey do you, do you remember when there was like a Facebook group. And it had like 3 million people in it. And it was just Storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, but that's Dude, awesome. There was a Facebook group that was going around. Ah! Jesus. I don't. I can't remember if this is pre-COVID or post-COVID. It might have been right in the middle of that. But someone made a Facebook group. And all it was was, let's Storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. And it was literally like three million people in it. And it's like it it the parable for me is literally the fucking capital to where it's like, you mean see, to tell me see storm- the way everyone is saying that our constitution was such at stake that day that I can just make a bullshit Facebook group <laughs> storm the capital with a couple thousand people, and then now I'm just 
king of America. See, Storm Area 51 is so much more interesting to me. <laughs> Dude, there were signs of people standing outside of Area 51 during all this with posters that just said, come on, let me slap them alien ass cheeks. Storm Area 51 is so much more interesting to me. Than- <laughs> let Storm Area 51 slap them alien ass cheeks. <laughs> We can't stop at all. Dude, it was like there was like a whole thing on Facebook for a little while and it's so funny that uh during all that time cuz like it was on the same time that the Silver Dome and so people from outside of our area in there's a city called Pontiac and it's where the Detroit Lions used to play. It's called the Pontiac Silver Dome. And it's literally like a wall and it was one of those domes like a golf dome where like air keeps it inflated. Right, right, right. You had to walk through one of those like revolving doors and to make sure the when, pressure didn't go down. When they initially tried to fucking blow it up with the demolition thing, something do you remember something went yeah. wrong and yeah. it didn't blow up. <laughs> the very next day there was a Facebook group with like a million people in it and it said Let's all bring fans to Pontiac and aim them all in one direction towards the Pontiac Silver Dome and knock it over. <laughs> Fuck the Pontiac Silver Dome or something like that. And it's just, it was during that whole phase. But yeah, that, there was a page with like 3 million people <laughs> to the point where the military goes, please don't do this. We will shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, I please don't do it. I can, like, I can just see that. Please. Please don't do this because we don't want to have to kill it. Like they're like, listen, we're really trying to keep Area 51 under wraps. We don't want to talk about this place, but like, if you do come here, we're gonna fucking shoot you. <laughs> that's like the whole. That's like the whole. Uh, I mean, look, I'm a Second Amendment person, right? But it's like, dude, if the federal government turns the military against us and the military goes for it, we're all fucking dead. I guess that depends. <laughs> now we're all dead, Corey. We're dead if they all just followed orders. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But if our military all... is pretty set up pretty well with whistleblowers and stuff like that. Like our military is different. Like there's a reason why we're constantly hearing about our military doing fucked up. Okay, shit. but think of, think about a situation. But like where... if it came down to it, to where it was like, don't tread on me, and everyone rose up, and then and the government, let's say in the perfect scenario where the the military like followed government's orders, it'd be the civil war, it'd be over in a week. Yeah, but think about a situation where like what we have now is is where the FBI is basically just an arm of the Democratic Party, and I'm not saying that to disparage the Democratic Party necessarily. They just, just always been an arm, like a political arm. Like look in the 50s and 60s, and, MLK, right. John Lennon. There like, was a time they where they the were right wings. Yes, they were political. There arm. was a time where they were an arm of the Republican Party. Now, so okay, so now that we've established that I'm on both sides, what I'm what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that like imagine a situation where one of these political parties was able to gain control of the military and like legitimately get them on their side. I don't think that'll happen, but like, I mean, how do you think of the military right now? Do you think that, do you think of them as like predominantly conservative? Cause I do really. Yeah. The military. I don't, uh, it's weird. Neocons, bro. Neocons, neolibs. Like they're, I don't know. So, okay. So, so let's go. So you don't, you don't think it's as is uh 
interesting as I do. But let's just say no. The, 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 be, I only say that because I see a lot of conservatives bitch about the fact that we're letting trans people into the military. <laughs> Which my personal belief is if anyone's willing to just uproot their life and go anywhere in the world and take a bullet, then give a f- if you identify as a man, woman, if you meet the standards of what our military expects of you to be able to, to perform your duties at a high capacity, fucking go at it. But don't you think, don't you think with a, a political duopoly like we have, it's more possible for the military, the military to, to like take a side, and then so so say a Republican takes office or a Democrat takes office doesn't matter, and gains control of the military, and has all of the military on their side, and comes after the American people to you know restore order or whatever the fuck tyrants say. Yeah, no, I can see it, but like, do our know. does 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 the sec is the Second Amendment going to do us any good in that situation? I would argue it won't. I would argue it won't. It'd be nasty and it'd be gross, but based on the fact that America, based on the last 22 years of our existence and these short Middle Eastern stints, not necessarily short, they've lasted decades, but our military is really good at toppling a government itself in conventional war, but this goes all the way back to the 60s when it comes to guerrilla shit. Like, short of our government straight blanket bombing America with nuclear weapons if that were to happen our military would probably just have to face a bunch of Americans with guns for 20 years and they'd give up and pull out and just go back to yeah but Corey here's there's a difference between the Americans that they're going to face and the gorillas that they face the Middle East we're a little bit more soft we're very soft (laughs) I don't know we think so but when you punch Plato when it's very soft, you know, like it doesn't really take much, uh, like damage. You can just keep punching it and eventually it forms into something. And then I don't know. I don't know. I don't compare know. the American people to Plato. You call them soft. <laughs> and it's not me. It's the did, Germans. Call them it's, soft. it's not me. It's the Germans from world war one. We were called the Doughboys. Like That's they true. called us the Doughboys Cause true. they all yeah. thought we were soft. Like you can't underestimate a bunch of Americans just because we live. Like this is the way, like when it really comes down to it, like, yeah, Americans, you know, we don't live in third world countries where we have to like not have running water and shit, but like we all play with guns. What like all like there's a, a millions of us who when we're not like playing video games with guns, we're doing airsoft like weapons and paintball and you know, and war and stuff. If is you far play video games, you're gonna be able to go out and shoot guns. No, but you get eight people who play video games together who've played Call of Duty for 10 years. They know the hand motions. They know to stay out of fucking plain sight. They know to stay in dark quarters. They know to have they know to cover their backstop. They know like they know very basic stuff that could be taken from a mental standpoint to a kinetic standpoint very fast. Does that make sense? Like literally, I could. I could, you know, like I know millions of people who know what guns look like, how to keep them clean and how to do things. And they've never touched them just because of video games. You heard him. Corey Walsh, your incel president right here. I'm fucking married and got kids. <laughs> I'm not an incel. Mean, I'm not involuntary celibate. Sometimes I'm celibate because the kid's shitting himself and I can't get laid. It doesn't mean you can't represent the incels. I'm not going to fucking. What am I, Christian Chapa? <laughs> 
that's such a like yeah like nobody nobody in this entire world knows who that person is and it's probably for the best but he's in this facebook group we're in and he's such a piece of shit oh my god oh fuck christian yeah but he fucking he's an apologist for brock brock turner and he's an anti-semite did we miss anything i don't think we did i was trying to find the uh oh solomon rusty dude oh you know we didn't we didn't we didn't talk about solomon rusty solomon rusty for anyone who doesn't know, he uh, he is a person who is just an unapologetically First Amendment defender. Not even First Amendment, just free just speech. free speech in general. Yeah. yeah, past our Constitution in America, just in the world, he's just unabashedly a defender of free free speech to the point where he says, if you come to him and you say, "I'm all for free speech," but he goes, "That's when you lose me." He stops listening because free speech is free speech is free speech. And he wrote a book uh, criticizing the Muslim faith in the 80s, like late 80s. And it's been almost 30 some years. And he was up on stage and what was it? Janet to walk someplace in New York near the Buffalo area. And uh, he was up. He walked up on stage to give a speech. And this Muslim extremist came running out and stabbed him 15 times. He's about to lose an eye. A bunch of nerves got severed. And they came after him, and all he did was say words. <laughs> and so this is what makes me concerned, because right now in America, we're seeing a a uh, outcry about words being literal violence. And I want to say that words are not literal violence. What happened to Salman Rushdie was literal violence. The Satanic um, Verses was the book. Chris, that, in a, yeah. like, And in a more trivial sense, Chris Rock saying what he said on stage wasn't literal violence. Uh, Will Smith walking up to him and slapping him was literal violence. And where are we at to where we are going to not necessarily defend, but go, oh, yeah, well, it makes sense. He said this and to where we're going to justify physical uh, reciprocation to auditory sounds that come that's, out of someone's and that's, mouth. And that's the issue that I think you and I have and the Barry Weisses of the world have with the idea that words are violence because when words are violence – Words being violence justifies physical violence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If we say words are violence, then that justifies physical violence. And that's kind of what I'm getting at to where it's like, I get the words, like there's action words. You can say things that will incite a riot and stuff like that. But I feel like the words themselves just being said isn't the crime. It's if you say something that incites something, then those words can be used in a court of law. And my perfect example of this is like right now, if I went up over to MGR right across the street from your house, if I went into a movie theater and I yelled, there's a fire and someone just goes, shut the fuck up, idiot. If there was a fire, the alarms would be going off and then that's it. I wouldn't be charged with anything. Right. But if I yelled, there's a fire and everyone freaked out and everyone stampeded down the stairs and then someone got tackled, then I could be charged with inciting a riot and involuntary manslaughter at that point because those words created a spur of action. And that makes sense because you can replace those words with there's 36 fucking gorillas running around in the lobby right now. You guys need to get the fuck out of here. And if everyone freaked out and someone got trampled over that, then yeah, like I was a fucking idiot. I said something and somebody died because of it. I should be held responsible. But if they, at the same time, they sit there and go, you're a fucking idiot. Then it ended there. And so what I'm saying is like words are words themselves. But if they create or spur action, then sure, they should be 
scrutinized. But the fact that that might maybe happen, that your words might maybe do something in some crazy scenario where they might maybe make somebody get hurt. You shouldn't not be able to not say that because something might maybe happen. It's like the, it's like the Josh Holly situation. Like you and I, I, and I don't think either of us can stand. Yeah, Josh no, Holly. like, yeah, I can't, but like him just asking questions, those words are little violence that now all of a sudden he's being painted as someone who's literally going out and killing trans people because he said some words or, or Matt Walsh, just simply asking another guy. We can't stand Matt Walsh from the daily. Right. Wire. But I'm going to defend, like I, I don't stand. I fucking hate, Things that they say, but I'm going to vehement, 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 vehemently defend what they have to say. So, yes, I will also vehemently defend me looking at them and going, You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> but I expect me calling them a fucking idiot to be defended just as much as them saying what they well, and, are. and like saying words are literal violence right like so you and i can't- that leads to someone russia getting stabbed because it was literally a government the ayatollah it was called a farqua they put out a hit on him a they put out a hit on him because the government in iran literally said that his words are violence and it led to him almost 30 years later being killed on a stage in front of the hundreds of people because he said something 30 years ago in a book. Didn't, is but, that the route we're trying to no, go down? That like, words are abuse? That the, the sad part is like the Iranians didn't even really say his words were violence. They said they said that they were blasphemy. And blasphemy is a crime that's punishable apparently by death in certain sects of the Muslim faith. And the idea that words are violence is kind of like perpetuating this weird uh th- this weird goofy anti-religion religion that you see on the uh I don't do I want to say the left the dogma to the 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 government institutions is that what you're talking about no just just the <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ <laughs> just the just the uh the the just the this leftist ideology, right? Wouldn't you say it's kind of religious? It's I don't mean to sound like Jordan Peterson. Oh, that's right what I'm saying. It's a dogma. Yeah, no, they the left they have this weird faith in government and institution because a lot of them are essentially agnostic. And then the right has yeah. But wait a minute. A leftist ideology is supposed to be not trusting the government. Not in America, <laughs> bud. What are, you, what are you talking about? This is a horseshoe, it's called Whatever. We're getting too drunk at this point. We've been drinking a lot. We drink a lot. Some of the Ford party boys. Yeah. Even though Michael couldn't drink because he was 18. Dude, and he had some bomb ass fucking boneless wings that I literally wanted to reach over and grab them the whole time I was talking to him. I was like, and then Theron, this other guy that was there, he had some bomb ass pretzel bites. And I'm like, both mm-hmm. you guys are just eating some straight fire right now. It was just Barlowy. Yeah, but the food looked great. It looked, it's yeah. Okay. When 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 someone else has food and you don't, it looks great. You want to send some prayers out for Mike Tyson? Why? Why? What happened to Mike Tyson? So Mike Tyson allegedly predicted that his death was coming up very soon, and then he was like spotted in an airport in a wheelchair, very, uh, very, very recently. And my thing is, ooh, maybe Mike Tyson's sick. 
I'm scared. I don't want Mike Tyson to die. I, I love Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson to die. That's that's a guy that everybody hated 20 years ago and now loves. What a character! Isn't that, isn't that weird how that goes. And then he punched a guy in a plane. And everyone's like, "Ah, oh, classic Mike Tyson." <laughs> <laughs> they gave him a pass, pretty much. Say your prayers, Iron Mike. Prayers, vibes, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It, it won't help, but they'll be appreciated. <laughs> Pray, do all those, but also encourage him to go to the doctor. <laughs> After he just uh, beat the shit out of Roy Jones Jr. just uh, And some guy in a plane just for... Over the winter. Uh, tell the people where they can find us, Corey. All right. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. And you can find our transcripts at LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com unless you're a shitty fucking weird advertiser then it's libservativepodmarketing at gmail.com. Unless you're a weird Like, follow, and share. Give us... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Shit on the Fortis after we just, just praised just, them for an hour and 12 kidding. minutes. I'm just saying what the libertarians would say. <laughs> <laughs> just another centrist party. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, tell a friend where you heard your little quips that you heard us say if you enjoy them, and uh, make sure to give a review. Corey and I are going to try and do more of these where we're sitting next to each other. In this basement. I don't know. What do you think? Once a month? Basement Biden? Yeah. Once a month. I'm down for one a month. Do one of these. Uh, Maybe every three months. Why? Because I'm going to sit next to you. I don't know. (laughs) I do smell. Uh, Anyway. He's been Corey Walsh. And he has been Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. And we are out of here. We the people cannot end that.